0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today we return to the monthly series City Farming. We'll discuss home growing and the ways in which families can contribute to a flourishing food system right in their own windowsills, patios and backyards. It's my pleasure to introduce Lella Bloomer, sustainable backyard farmer. Welcome Lella. Thank you, happy to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Lella, let's jump right in and can you please tell us what is a backyard farmer?
0: I'd say a backyard farmer is anyone who uses the space that they have uh, within an urban setting to grow food for themselves or their family or sometimes for their community. So there's an element of intentionality about it as opposed to a hobby. Um, I'd say it encompasses the whole cycle of planting and caring for and harvesting the food, and then saving the seeds as well as the produce and, um, and preparing the soil for the next year and continuing that cycle going forward.
1: Okay, wonderful. Because I wondered why farmer and not gardener, but I think you've maybe hit on that—that there is an intentionality, and it's right from the very beginning of the process to the end of the process to starting the next process again with the seeds. And how long have you been doing uh, backyard farming?
0: All my life. Growing food at home is kind of like a given because um, my parents always grew uh, a lot of vegetables in the yard and I was out in the garden from a young age. So once you've got that, like that taste of food that comes fresh from the garden um, and you experience, you know, being able to save that food and enjoy it all winter long, then you, you find a way to keep that going however you can. So I've been doing it all my life and with my own, my own little family, I mean, we moved a few times here and there. Um, and we always managed to find a corner where we could grow. So it's something that you carry forward with your own family. And you mentioned
1: this anticipation, not just the anticipation of when you're going to plate it, need it, but have my sprouts sprouted and are they flowering and really kind of coexisting with the seasons? What's the wind doing? What's the sun doing? Is it raining? Uh, is it going to be an early frost? All of those things you've got to be connected into just like professional farmers with respect to nature.
0: Absolutely. It's also important then to see even the, the, the different um, ecosystems that you've got within your own backyard, because they change from corner to corner, right? Depending on how much sun you get, how much rain you get, all those kinds of things. So it's a constant learning experience.
1: Well, that's very interesting. So it's a very observational process. You can't just assume that because you have a backyard garden, everything can grow anywhere you plant it. You've got to take into consideration shade, sun. And many other Uh, factors. Lalo, what inspired you to grow food at home and where did you learn how to do it?
0: I did learn everything from my parents. They came from a culture where um, small communities were surrounded by fields and each family tended crops. Most of them also had a little bit of a backyard where they grew some vegetables and herbs. So um, when they came here, they brought that knowledge uh, and that way of life with them. And so it was always a given that we'd grow up vegetables and preserve them and be able to uh, sustain ourselves on food that we that we grew on the land. The rest I learned by experience. So um, I lived in Edmonton for 26 years. And that's a very different growing environment uh, from southwestern Ontario. So um, really had to learn what worked well there and what didn't work well there. So it's it's a constant learning experience, as I say so I'm still learning every day.
1: That's fantastic. So not just adapting to the uh, ecosystems in your own backyard, but to the land and where you are. And that can change whether you're in London or Edmonton, as you say, or whether you're in North London and South London, the land is a little different. It's got its own different history, whether it's more alkaline or a little bit uh, more Mm -hmm. acidic and what you can grow. And I've often thought one of the most interesting things is hydrangea. If they're in, I think alkaline, they turn purple. And if they're in acidic, they're, they're, they're pink. So we get to see how plants use soil differently.
0: Yeah, and it's a good point, Peggy, because um, even with vegetables, they may not show that as much as, as a hydrangea, but they do have ways of showing you, you know, if there's something wrong with where they're growing. So that's where the observation comes in and you really need to be uh, aware of what's happening.
1: Lola, I'd love to know, what's your favorite thing to eat from the garden and how do you prepare it?
0: My go-to is just, is honestly just fresh ripe tomatoes. So just eat them fresh right off the plant. Um, that's got to be my favorite thing about, about growing vegetables in the backyard. And then I'd say probably all kinds of squash. The taste is um, is very unique and uh, combines well with a lot of a lot of different things. So most of the time, I think it's a combination of foods that I like. Combination of greens that you can stir fry with rice or potatoes, um, and then thick, you know, vegetable soup that's just got a little bit of everything in there. Uh, things like that. How wonderful. And it seems as
1: you're talking about that, that there's almost a bit of romance to this. And for some of us, as nostalgia, but it's something that's within reach for all of us. And that's why we have people like you on the show to talk about backyard farming. It's nice to know that some of the most delicious food, nutritious foods, tomatoes, squash, and some of the greens, the other things that you've mentioned, can be right there in our own backyards. And so what a way to connect to the land and to connect to our future in food and, and growing some healthy things that are also delicious. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Lola, what are some of the biggest joys you've experienced in working the land and watching your seeds grow through to harvest?
0: We've kind of touched on this a little bit. So I think it's really that feeling of being part of something bigger. It's having the chance to see how how life works and how nature takes care of itself, finding a place for yourself to be able to help out with that cycle. So, So it's a relationship. And if it's a healthy relationship, then you know, both people and nature are are taken care of uh, and can thrive. There are obvious uh, joys that you get from seeing a seed sprout through the ground and then take off, right, and and uh, flower and and grow fruit, and then you can actually harvest that. That's all very joyful. But I think it's that that bigger picture that really, for me, um, brings that sense of of joy and satisfaction. And for me, also, it's very very satisfying to see something other than like plain green lawns. Um, in neighborhoods Um, because when you're growing you you know you usually rotate what you plant and you're always looking for new things to try so your view changes every year and and it can look a little different and even when the garden is growing it looks different from one day to the next so it's something it's something living in your backyard that changes uh daily that that is just really really exciting That's really interesting, um, remembering our relationships,
1: not just to the soil, but to the seasons and nature's cycle. And as you said, situating ourselves in that, that there is some element that we contribute to life and and life then contributes to us. How is going green connected to backyard farming?
0: There's certainly less of a carbon footprint, um, but for me, there's a longer term impact. um, And that is when you're exposed to growing food yourself, you understand that the climate and the soil where you are can support certain foods, and they grow in certain seasons. So you learn to eat what's available, and then preserve some for when it's not available. So you you, you know you have that understanding that that the earth provides everything needed to sustain life if you're working in harmony with it. Um, so, for example, you're not going to insist on, you know, eating strawberries in January because you know that they have to come from California or Mexico. They're not growing in the backyard. And the emissions caused by shipping them here are, are damaging the environment. We're, we're basically meant to be green. Uh, we've just, I think, forgotten that fact or moved away from it. Growing things in your backyard uh, just helps you get more in touch with that green side again, which... Um, you know, only bodes well for for us going forward. We need to do that to be able to have a sustainable lifestyle, especially in urban centers. I I keep
1: hearing you thinking so much future focus, but also um, the sustainability um, uh, focus that we have. And I was recently speaking to someone about the Canadian grasslands and how they are endangered and that we can't just keep, it's not just urban sprawl, but there's other types of sprawl. And then at a broader scale, we had Mr. Sharan from the United Nations on a few weeks ago talking about, we have this large global demand for food and we have a certain supply. And Canada, we're a nation of farmers and fishers and we have a lot to offer and we have been leaders and want to continue to be in, in well into the future, that there is so much land that is available to grow crops in, in the city, in our own backyards, There is this sense of contribution that we are helping where are there in our own country, rural and remote people that are hungry, we need to get food to and then again across the world so that backyard farming is a substantial contribution in many, many ways
0: absolutely it can be and you know we can't all have a yard to farm in that is the nature of, of an urban setting uh, but looking for places and ways that we can uh, contribute i think is is so important and it's something that both you know individuals and communities and the city needs to, needs to work on to find those ways to do that
1: yeah strong partnerships and finding the way forward together common ground so to speak exactly
0: thank you so much lala After
1: this break, we'll hear more from Lella Bloomer, sustainable backyard farmer, who will share her expertise in home growing and the ways families can use their creativity to contribute to a flourishing food system from their own windowsill, patio or backyard. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist.
0: Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. The show today is part of the monthly series, City Farming, in which we discuss home growing and the way households can use their ingenuity to contribute to flourishing food systems in their windowsills, patios, and backyards. We're speaking with Lella Bloomer, sustainable backyard farmer. Lela, it seems that getting in there and working the soil, weeding, and watering is a way to connect across time and place. Time And that a lot of people used to have a garden and knew a lot about seeds and fertilizing and preserving which we've talked about and place and that the land was worked by others before us. I'm just sounding poetic here or is this true.
0: Well, I think I think you are being poetic. And I think it's also true. People passed down from generation to generation how to grow food to sustain themselves because it was a necessity of life. But they found ways to do that in stories in songs and in dances so that people could remember that as well as writing it down in books. But I think, Peggy, there's an important part of our past that we're not connected to, particularly here in Canada. And and that's because there's this uh, dark history of colonization in Canada. And a big part of that was the takeover of land from Indigenous peoples. This was land that Indigenous peoples used to sustain themselves. And they understood and they respected what grew here and knew how to care for it. They didn't assume ownership of the land. So when settlers began to arrive, there was an opportunity there to learn and to connect and to share in being stewards of the land um, and at some point that opportunity was was rejected. The land was taken over and that relationship was severed so I don't think we're yet at a place uh, in reconciliation where we've made that connection so there is a time and a place here um, it, particularly in Canada that's largely lost to us and I think we really need to dedicate ourselves to building that connection to learn from that learn from that past and I think too that our connection is to the future and we've mentioned that a couple of times so we you know we need to be taking care of the soil the water the seeds uh, and all of the natural spaces that are around us so that those who come after us will be able to do the same. Fantastic we've talked a lot about
1: the family traditions and family knowledge passed down in backyard farming but certainly there are cultures and and Canadian peoples who also have knowledge and understanding and uh, a a significant role to play in the road forward together, as well as new Canadians coming with all that they Mm -hmm. know. Uh, When we were talking city farming last time, Mike Levinson talked to us about all of the things across the world that are happening, urban agriculture. And there's so many things to learn from many cultures. And certainly the indigenous community has been advocates and uh, certainly stewards and people who really understand the land. And I think, as you say, if we can um, broaden the conversation and be open to listening and learning and acknowledging that that is part of the way forward. Which brings me to my next point, which is the show brings the arts and humanities into today's food dialogue. And how does backyard farming connect you to humanity?
0: So this this is a great question because um, it's a family activity and it's a communal activity. Um, And cultures have their own ways of growing and gathering and preparing food and sharing those traditions. Um, and that really builds bonds in communities. It also creates a, ways, a way for us to connect across cultures. Um, so there are experiences that we share, even though we have experienced them in different ways. Um, we all know about growing. We all know about the, the joy of that, that taste of fresh food. And it, and it brings us back. It, it holds memories for us. And it creates that bond with others. So a lot of aspects of being human come into play when you grow food. Because really, it involves caring for each other right Uh, passing on traditions learning about history and and it can be very creative and inspirational too at the same time
1: I think that's a great answer and it reminds me of um, not just where I am but how far I have to go and how much more there is to look forward to with continued dialogue thank you so much for that Lella is there an art to backyard farming and do you ever think about form function balance harmony all of the things that artists are engaged in
0: Absolutely. So I think that observation and imagination are both really important when you're growing food in an urban setting. Um, So we've talked about this a bit, but you, you know, you have to find the right amount of sunlight and shelter for what you're growing uh, work with the kind of soil that you have. And you've got a bit more freedom when you have a small space Um, you can mix in plants that usually aren't considered food. So nasturtiums, let's say are really colorful and edible at the same time. Um, You always want to put in marigolds because they're a natural bug repellent. And like, if you're farming on, you know, a a professional farm, you're not going to, you know, mix, mix marigolds in with your tomatoes, but you definitely would do that if you've got a, a backyard space. The amaranth plant, which there are species of that that are are native to North America, um, we just tended to let it grow wherever it came up in the garden, because it's really the stalk is really tall and sturdy. So it supports the other plants. Uh, But I discovered last year that you can actually eat the leaves, beautiful um, pink flowers that it that it has, they turn into a grain that you can actually use as well. In my mind, you know, if you leave space for the unexpected, uh, because nature in itself is 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 artistic and 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 harmonious and balanced, um, and left on its own, it can create some very beautiful and functional landscapes.
1: What do backyard farmers have in common with professional
0: farmers? I always felt a sense of um, humility. Because you have to understand that you're, you're not the center of the growing process. <laughs> and there are a lot of aspects of it that are out of your control. So again, going back to being, being observant, paying attention to what's happening, understanding that you're not in control, but you have a role to play. Um, these are the things that, that growing teaches you. I think that anyone who puts intention into growing food also really likes to share those experiences and share what they've learned uh, with other farmers and help each other out. So there's a real sense of, of community there. There is
1: so much opportunity, as you said, for the unexpected, that the more knowledge that's shared, the greater the dialogue, the, better the, sh- the, the stronger the shared purpose, then the greater the outcomes. And I, I think that's wonderful. And I can't help but think how nostalgic our conversation is making me because I grew up with gardens and on a farm and uh, I now live in the city. And uh, I do love the city and there were, um, there's wonderful parts of living here as well. But I, I'm thinking of the digital and fast paced world. And I'm wondering why you think that it's important for individuals and families to use their creativity and ingenuity to nurture plants and contribute to a flourishing food system.
0: Um, So, I mean, pretty simply, we we need food to live, right? Um, But really what we need is we need to understand where that food comes from. Um, so right now, I mean, so much of the world's population lives in, in very heavily built up urban spaces that don't have room for people to make that connection. So where the creativity and ingenuity comes in is figuring out ways to provide that connection. So to really um, not lose that, um, that sense of, of, of how the earth sustains us and how we need to um, work with it in order to continue to sustain ourselves. I uh, just wanted to mention that the City of London right now is studying some zoning bylaw amendments, um, and they're about finding more places within the city to use for urban agriculture and removing the barriers that we have right now uh, that limit where we can grow food. So this is this is awesome. Um, there's going to be a pu- public participation piece of that. Um, it's a really great opportunity for people to bring forward their ideas about, um, you know, coming at this from a whole different perspective. Besides, you know, sustenance, I think the art of of connecting with the growing cycle uh, is a boost um, to the health and well-being of individuals and communities. So so that can really counteract the physical and the mental and the emotional stress of over busy routines. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a place where you can connect very physically with um, the basic growing cycle is, is extremely beneficial.
1: Definitely provides some balance and, and maybe even emphasis uh, if you really love what you're doing. So that, that's great. You mentioned that the City of London is working on some municipal innovations on how more people can participate in backyard farming. Are there other resources, Lela, that you recommend to listeners
0: who may want to start growing some of their own food? So I'd say London Middlesex Master Gardeners is a great place to uh, visit. They have a, a good website. Uh, with a lot of information, and they also have members who will come and speak or do an online session with you or just to talk to. And there's also Urban Roots, which is a very unique uh, London urban farm uh, that operates sustainably as a nonprofit organization. So um, the the key there is they're they're always looking for volunteers, and that is a great way to start and learn, especially if you've never spent time in, in a garden. So typically, I'd say you need to start by talking to people actually grow food rather than like doing research online but of course in the past year that's been kind of difficult because in-person workshops you know just haven't been running so um, there are some online Uh, the London Environmental Network has some sessions on their website called uh, Green in the City uh, and those are really good to listen to and then also the Grove at the Western Fair District has an urban ag series that's online um, and you can find that at thegrove.wfd.com
1: That's excellent, and what a a vibrant community and so much to look forward to it. And I I think part of the message is baby steps. If you wanna start with growing some tomatoes in your windowsill, as opposed to, um, you know, converting your entire backyard, although some people may wanna do that, that it's baby steps, that there is a, a learning process, but there are people that can help. There's lots of resources, and thank you for sharing those on how Londoners can find out more information that want to start some backyard farming. Lela, our conversation has left me feeling full of possibilities for the future and all of the plans I want to make to contribute to a flourishing food system in my home and beyond. And it's exciting to know that there are so many community backyard farmers interested in advocating for this way of life. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas and your passion today, Lela. Well,
0: thanks, Peggy. Uh, my pleasure. It's been wonderful
1: having you here. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Lella Bloomer, sustainable backyard farmer. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? What would planting something this season connect you to? Something to do? Browse the London Middlesex Master website for local expertise on home growing. Next week on the show, we return to the series Back to the Future. Our guest is Darina Allen, celebrated author and owner of Ballymaloe Cookery School in County Cork, Ireland. We'll discuss the history of family cookbooks and forgotten skills in home cooking. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, professional home economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every
0: Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca.